Welcome to episode 56 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio guys, welcome along to <laughs> Iron Man Talk. This is episode 56. I'm uh, Coach John Newsom, and you may recall last week we celebrated our first birthday. Wait a second, what about me? Um, oh, you ruined it. I was going to kick Bevan off the show, but we've decided to get him back in. But I'm taking over the intro this week. He, he, we, on the ride today, he pulls out and he goes, You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to do the intro. So, there you <laughs> so go. So, this week's show. This week's show. You're going to do it all, are you? We're gonna do, I'm going to do it You're all. doing my job. Yep. What's, what do I do? You just sit back, relax. Okay, have a drink of water. Have a drink of water. So we've got news this week. Um, we've got website of the week. We've got age group of the week. And then the main feature today is our interview with Andy Potts. Superstar so, Andy superstar Potts. Superstar Andy Potts. So that takes up the majority of the show. Yep. 40 um, minutes. 40, 40, 45 minutes. And then uh, just at the end, we've got one Skype question. And then next week, we'll sort of catch up on a few other things we were Are we going to do other questions today. and answers? No, we'll leave them for this week. We're going to be... Time. Oh, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. There we go. So can I start? Can I take over my job again? Yeah, yeah. This week I'm going to do coach's corner too. Next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, so no, no, no. Let me start this one. So last week we had a great piece of news about what was happening in uh, Tour de France. Tour de France, and uh, we got a lot of emails about that question. John, you and did you, the research, didn't you? And you guys all got sucked in because it was an April first joke, <laughs> and, and we knew all about it, and you all got sucked in. So, <laughs> suckers. But it was a good idea <laughs> of ta- taking the tour to France we to got, Dubai. We got, we got so many emails, just people, do you realise that was an April Fool's joke? And I have to say, John, you did the research on that one, mate, and you got suckered, didn't you? I know, last week we were desperate for news. We had like one item of news, I thought, I've got to find something somewhere. Clicked on Cycling News, and uh, I thought, that's a good article. And if you do want a few funny things, go on to Cycling News and do click on uh, April the 1st. There's quite a few other funny articles on there as well. But I was saying to Bevan today that, the reason we did, we, we maybe the reason we in. wait a second take away the we from this. The you reason I, the reason I got sucked in is because I thought it was a bloody good idea, and I think potentially it could happen one day. So let's uh, let's just see if this joke turns into reality. That's right. That could be the next big thing. Yeah. Right. So race wise, uh, this weekend we had Arizona just happened. It was just happened yesterday from our time, and mm-hmm. uh, pretty interesting race all around on the boys' side of things. Well, Rakabiki took it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Rakabiki's first Ironman win. He's been top five for the last few years in, in Kona, um, but for some reason he's never never won an Ironman anywhere else in the world. So, fantastic result from him. Uh, took the lead on the bike, uh, swam 52 minutes, rode 4.30, which was pretty impressive because apparently it was pretty windy. Was it? And then uh, ran a 2.54, so just a, a fairly steady run, and finished off with an 8.21. I think he was about a minute off the course record that Michael Lovato set last year. We've got old Tim DeBoon coming in at second, uh, which is probably pretty good for him, eh? He's actually getting, get a sort of race under his belt. Yeah, I think so. And uh, he was he was sort of sitting about two, two to three minutes behind Rudd Kabiki. started to make a bit of a bit of time into him at one stage, and then it just kind of settled there. Um, so, so, yeah, sitting five minutes behind. And Michael Lovato. Michael Lovato, last year's winner, didn't have such a good day. Um, 8.37 last year, he went 8.20, so a bit of a slow off there. Uh, probably lost most of his time on the bike, I think. Uh, he ran a 2.57, but only rode a 4.44, so, you know. Uh, and surprise, surprise, we predicted it last week. Yeah, old Pete, the old, old glove man, he's definitely pulled out. <laughs> the glove man. He's a legend, isn't he? Did it again. Well, uh, it must be a fifth race, I think, for him this year. Yeah, and we, he always, like he's, you said, top five. Yeah, that's awesome. So 8.41, so good race for him. If it breaks his heart, because obviously when you're that close to being a winner, 
you know, he obviously knows he's an eight forty kind of guy, and so he obviously has to race a lot to make his money. Well, no, I think or maybe he just likes racing a lot. Yeah, I think he probably likes racing a lot, and I think um, you know the difference is I think he could go a lot quicker than that, and I think he's potentially you know an Ironman winner. Uh, I don't think he's like a Hawaii winner or anything like mm, that. So mm. I think the choice he he may well have made is probably make more money out of the sport by racing regularly and constantly getting sort of third, fourth, fifth than maybe trying to focus on two races during the year yep. and, and hopefully maybe winning them or getting second or something like that. So uh, there's a lot of people like him and Hilary Biscay, they, they do, they just love racing. Yeah. And so he's obviously one of those. It's uh, interesting with Big um, Rugby Big Cape because he's only 29. So, oh, yeah? you know, yeah. he's definitely got a few years left in him, hasn't he? He's definitely, you know, a, a title contender for, for um, Kona. Just hold on for one second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, just looking through the rest of the, the top 10, we had uh, Joseph Major. I think he might be from Hungary. Um, he came through in fifth. Jonathan Karen in sixth. James Bonney uh, in seventh. Lewis Elliott in eighth. Lucas Rob- Robble. Yeah, it's uh, a tough one, isn't it? And ninth. And then interestingly, 10th and 11th was Ayn Ala Johansson. Um, so it's a bit of a surprise. He you know, only went 902, and he's been an Ironman winner before in Lanzarote. So I thought he would have gone a lot quicker than that. He's a, an amazing cyclist. And then Lothar Leader, also um, pretty poor race for him coming in 11th place. Um, so I think those two were hoping to try and get a, a Kona slot there. So I think there was maybe five or six slots. So it'll be interesting to see if it rolls down to them. It'll be interesting with those guys, just as a bit of a side topic, um, that you know those guys, they obviously want to get to Kona. Or let's say they do want to get to Kona. And you obviously pick your races when you're at that standard. You know, um, what do you say his name? Uh, Ain Ala Johansson. Ain Ala, like, so, so he's pretty much had his two races, didn't go too well in New Zealand, he hasn't gone so well here. Mm. You know, now he's getting close to Kona, to, you know, it's, it's a bit risky, doesn't it? Yeah, so, um, yeah. Well, still got plenty of time, but so a lot of um, names we're not really that familiar with there. Um, you know, the top guns were there, but it was, wasn't, was I suppose, 10th uh, place was 9.02, so that's pretty, nice pretty standard. standard for Ironman. Yeah. On the chick side of things? It was quite an exciting race. Quite an exciting race, because yeah. what happened? So Joanna Zyga did the good old usual uh, hammer off the front in the swim, and I think uh, she was second out of the swim. I think Rosie uh, tried to smoke her in the last um, little bit and just t- and took off and beat her by 10 seconds out of the swim. What happened to Rosie? Uh, DNF'd, I think. Okay. Um, we'll finish well down. Yep. And she was leading pretty much the entire race. She rode a 520, uh, and she was leading up until very, very late in the marathon. I actually watched the end of the, the stage, and Heather Golnick came through and took the win, um, but it was by 49 seconds. Yep. So she must have passed her right at the end and came through. She ran a 3.15. Uh, so Heather, Heather Golnick's splits were 52-minute swim, 5.23 and a 3.15 for a 9-hour 36 total. And Joanna Zyger, like we said, was right behind her um, in 9.37. Uh, so it was quite interesting watching the coverage. Uh, Heather Golden crossed the line, and she wasn't in too bad a shape. You know, she looked a bit tired, but she had her family there and so on. She got three kids, and then Joanna Zyger crossed the line, and she just capitulated. Really? She just fell over. Game she was over. in la la land. Oh no! And then third place, Katja Shoemaker, uh, nine forty four, and then there was a big drop off um, down to Uta Mukul. She only went ten fourteen. Tira Castro was in fifth place in 1018. Um, Hillary actually blew up in the race, and, and I find it interesting because, you know, the amount of racing Hillary does, you think she's going to blow up, it's almost worth her do, like pulling out? Well, it seems bizarre because I was watching the, 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 the live reports, and they kept saying she's in fourth or fifth place, uh, and she, they basically expected her to, they said, Hillary Biscay, not far from the finish line now, should come across in fifth place. 
And then we look at the splits here, and she rode a 646, so I don't know what the error is there. So maybe that's actually wrong on yeah, the site. Yeah, and maybe she blew up on the run. Or maybe she got fifth place. Yeah. If and maybe that's wrong that's, on the site here, it could be. Yeah. yeah. So again, I thought the old Ironman site um, didn't do fantastically well. I was watching the coverage, and we have, for those of you who didn't see the coverage, they uh, had the live camera covering the finish area, and so I thought, I'll, I'll go on live and, uh, and watch the finishers come across the line. And they say, right, here comes Rudd Kabiki, and he's 200 metres away, and he's about to come into the finishing shoot, and then boom, Ironman.com went down, and there was no video feed, and I thought, oh, well, that's bloody stupid. <laughs> and then, but wait, there's more. And then you watch, you're waiting for the second place, Tim DeBoom, and, he's, and they say, Tim DeBoom, he's 150 metres away, he's coming into the line, and then boom, so I went down again. Now, I noticed on their website they've actually added a GPS type of uh, page to their website. So when the racers are actually competing, you can actually watch them. They must get the leaders to yeah, wear a GPS do. device. And uh, then it goes on to like, kind of like a Google Maps type of thing. And that you can follow the leaders. Uh, I, I, I was away this weekend, so I didn't actually get to see much of the race on the site. Uh, what do you think of it? When I had it, I only looked, clicked on it once, and it looked pretty, pretty naff, to be honest. Okay. So, um Maybe we'll check it out next feature and next mm. time there's a race. You know what? In Ironman, it's probably not such an exciting kind of no, tool, you know, because no. the, the gaps are often so big, so yeah. it's not like you're watching for really small. But yeah. still, I think it's good that they're showing some innovation there. So yeah, uh, so that was pretty much it for Ironman Arizona. What else have we got happening? Uh, the news front. Okay, so what's coming up this weekend? We've just got a couple of halves. Uh, the Kinetic Half Ironman in North Kinetic. Carolina. Nice. And the Windman Half Ironman in California. So good luck to everybody doing those races. Yeah, uh, it's not pretty a lot windy yeah, <laughs> good one. <laughs> and uh, we don't have too much coming up on the Ironman front. I think Ironman Lanzarote uh, will be coming up soon. Lanzarote. And, and it's also windy there, Bevan. There you go. There you go. So Challenge France is the de- debut in May 2008. Mm. It's pretty exciting times for Challenge. They're really trying to get out there, aren't they? Yeah, so we're going to catch up with Felix, uh, the the owner of the Challenge brand and who runs uh, Rote. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're expanding their brand and they're going Challenge France. Uh, they've also got Challenge New Zealand. The France race is only going to be a half distance, uh, but they're, they're spreading their their wings sort of. And they've also got Spain, I think. Uh, I'm not quite sure where else they're going. Yeah. But I think it's fantastic. You know, we're going to have the uh, Ironman races, we're going to have the Challenge races, and we're going to have the 101 races. And I think it's going to be good for all athletes, especially the pros. I think they're going to be able to make a better living out of the sport. I think a good discussion for the week could be. What will challenge the challenge series if they were to be competitive against Ironman? What would that do for the sport? Okay, there you go. There you go. Nice one. Sometimes I'm just so brilliant. Oh, mate, it's incredible. <laughs> um, yep, yeah, so yeah, the website's up. I had a look at the website. They've got it in many different, about three different types of languages. Um, check it out because it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I think if we can support these races, I think overall, if these the challenge series does become big, you know, it's going to be great. And it will force Ironman to lift their game as well. And, uh, and the price of the race, it's only nine and five euro. Whoa, yeah. that's pretty reasonable. That's really great. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I was noticing that. And so, uh, yeah, bring it on for the challenge races. And it's also. going to be a beautiful part of France, actually. Uh, it's about just north of Strasbourg, which is where I used to, I used to be about 100 k's south of Strasbourg when I was living over there. And it's going to be near the Vosges Mountains. And it's just Stunning. spectacular up there. Yeah, nice. really nice. Um, do you think they kind of race? Do you think seventy point threes draw people from overseas? Uh, not really, I don't think. I think most no. countries have got their own half Ironman. So, yeah. I mean, if you were planning, wanted to plan an overseas trip, a lot of people try to plan it in with a race. Yeah. But I don't think the half Ironmans are really going to have the pull. I think the ones in Europe, you know, it's in France, is obviously going to pull people Some, from Germany yeah, and England all the surrounding and countries. Like that, yeah. But but I wouldn't travel to say Australia to go and do a seventy point three just because it's called a seventy point three. But hmm. I think I think seventy point threes and half Ironmans are really going to take off because I think more and more people are struggling with the demands of Ironman yep. with the training and I think the 70.3 is going to be the new Olympic distance 
Um, oh, really? You think it's going to get that strong? Yeah, I do. I think because Why? Uh, a lot of people want the challenge and they're getting a bit frustrated with Olympic distance, maybe drafting issues and things like that. Yep. And they maybe don't have time to train for an Ironman and they maybe see a half Ironman as a, a better test than, than say, an Olympic distance. And, and a half Ironman is actually quite nice because it's still a challenging day. Mm. You know, it's still, you know, for most people you're looking over five hours of exercise and so it's pretty tough. Whereas a, a, an Olympic size, while it's still challenging, it's kind of faster and it's not really the epicness to it. Yeah. And so uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, we were on X-Try for a day, mate. For, t- for a day only, but we made it. We were on X-Try. And I'll tell you what, you gave them a big mullet photo, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are on there what for a day. What's about that? You could have put a pretty photo on me. I did. Great. No such thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we are up there for a day. We, we obviously sent out a bit of a press release. Uh, our agent sent out a press release uh, about our first birthday. Our agent, so, yeah, our agent nice. sent out a press release about our first birthday. No, we we were up there for a day. And I don't quite know why it came down, but it was up there for a day. Yeah. <laughs> So and, we were uh, famous. We've been on. I've been on X-Ray quite a few times this year, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we've become superstars, haven't we? You and your mullet. I oh, know my mullet's been on like four times. <laughs> Loving it. Maybe they should have a section on how to get a mullet. Yeah. Um, so uh, you got to see the, the Hawaii coverage on the tape that I gave you last week. Now it's a little bit late, but just kind of your thoughts on it. Well, it's, for, for Americans, obviously seeing the coverage, but we still haven't had the coverage down in New Zealand. So we, we should feel proud. Has it not been on ESPN? Uh, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Did you do your piece on that one? Uh, I don't know. But I. Th- I I thought it wasn't too bad, actually. I thought it was better than what I've seen in the last few years. Although you have a bias, because John, John, as someone watching the race, he only wants to see the athletes. He doesn't write the stories, do you? You're not yeah. a story man. So I'm into I, the I stories. Did, I didn't think they were. I thought they were the stories were better this year, though. Okay. Well. So overall, I thought it was a better performance. I still would really like to see them. I know they've got to keep a balance of the stories and the elites, but I would like to see a bit more balance. Looking at say third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah. Like very okay, much. True, yeah. It was just Macca versus Stadler. Yeah. And Cameron Brown didn't even get mentioned once. Yeah. I mean, I know. I suppose he had a bad day, so it's pretty but, fair yeah, enough. Yeah, whoever but, came in third, but who did and... get third? Farris got third. Yeah. You, didn't, you didn't see him basically. So I'd just like to see maybe just looking back a little bit further, and maybe a little less of the interviews with their faces there. Maybe they could do interviews in the background, so they're talking while you're actually seeing a bit more race coverage. There yeah. wasn't a huge amount of race coverage, but I did think it was better than uh, than what I've seen over the last few years. And I did notice at the finish area, we got to see Albert Boyce finishing across the line. The he looked Albanator. a little bit tired. The um, Albanator, he had a good race too, didn't he? No, he had a bit oh, of a ordinary race. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all right, Albert. He'll kick us this year. Um, so, uh, good news on the bike juicy front. John and I are slowly working away. We've kind of got kind of the company that we're going to get to uh, make the juicies for us. And we're starting to figure out the design right now. John said to me, can you try to design something? Tell you what, designing clothes is hard work. <laughs> I sat down with a piece of paper and I was like, you know what, this is really hard. So, yeah. uh, But luckily they actually designed some tops for you. We've got the concept of what we've got in our mind and we're going to put that to uh, to them and we're hoping, hey, what kind of time are we thinking? Well, I'm hoping we're going to have the design confirmed by the end of next week, to be yep. honest. Okay, and so uh, then once it's confirmed, probably a few weeks for production. And we're, we're basically going to just put the order form up on the site and you guys uh, click away and send in your orders and then we're just going to order the number we get in so we're not going to hold stock or anything like yep. that. Yeah, so you can order your size and we just basically get that lot made and then from there Bob's your uncle exactly so uh, a couple of weeks away hold your breath and you'll be able to order away so there's not much unused right? was there oh, more than last week but it's all, but it's all about us April 1st <laughs> doesn't cool. matter creative okay. creative and we are pretty good about news and we're going to pause there I'm oh, going to pause this right because we're going to actually do some we're going to do some prep on the blog this week aren't exactly. we because normally not- we wing it so we're, we're doing the prep wait a second here's the prep we had a gap, and uh, you guys probably didn't notice that, but we've had our gap. We've done our prep. and uh, So last week we asked you, what products do you want to plug? So, uh, John, obviously, what do you like, John? 
I go for Pro 4 gels. I basically fill my bottle full of Pro 4 gels. Yep. So I probably go through around about 18 or so on the bike. Yep. Uh, I also have a tin of creamed rice, uh, usually, if I get my special needs bag. Yep. Uh, I also have bananas and power cookies, and that's pretty much my nutrition. Uh, and then on the run, I just carry a few gels and have generally have a gel every second aid station and, and mixing, it in, mixing it with Coke and energy drink and water. I like my high five, and I like my high five gels, but I also, and I have about 20 gels, I think I try to work on about three or four an hour. And then um, then I have, the high five do make bloody good bars. So <laughs> I, have, I have their bars. Um, and then I try to get like a banana or just something real in my stomach on the bike. Uh, and try, same when it comes to drinks, I have the profiles, I mean, high five stuff. Um, then on the, yeah, in the run, I'm just pretty much gels um, and Coke and mm. you know, the electrolyte drink that we can get in. Yeah. So, um, so, but you guys put in some comments there, and old Bainsy tried off. to steal the show by putting everything imaginable <laughs> you, could, you could eat. Um, so he's got a big list there. We're not going to go through that. But personally, he goes, I'd love to see how he carries it all. Yeah. <laughs> he goes for flapjacks with uh, dried fruit in it, and occasionally, uh, occasionally a savoury item. Ham and cheese sandwich, for example. Uh, he drinks none and SIS Go. Top tip, though, is stinger gels. All natural, made from honey. A lot of people who get bad stomachs with normal gels have no issues with these. So there's a little tip for you, Bane, so you can try these stinger gels. Nice. Uh, Anders, he's a big fan of Red Bull. Do you use Red Bull? No, not really, but I mean, it's I know it's similar-ish to Coke. You know, you're probably mm. going to get a similar lift, mm. but it's got a bit it's more probably, caffeine. Yeah, it's probably it, got so. more of a kick to it, actually. Yeah, definitely. And he likes to drink one of those about four hours into the ride, and he finds it's a huge lift. Mm. And I like uh, Phil. He's a bit of a nutrition whore. He basically gets out <laughs> whatever they have at the race. So, so he's doing Ironman yep. UK this year, and he's going to so he's going to have all the power bar products. And then if he, the next race was going to be uh, sponsored by SIS, he'd just swap to that. So nice. it's a good tip, uh, Phil. If, if you are having a, anybody out there is having a really bad day, it is a good idea on the bike and the run basically to grab as much nutrition as you possibly can and put it into your pockets, and then at least you get a little bit more out of the race. Oh, okay. So you basically get you pick it, home. picking up free products. Or what you do is you grab heaps, and then when you see your supporters, you chuck it at them. <laughs> Run with a little backpack. <laughs> get the table, sort of everything in a bag. I'm really blowing up. I need ten, <laughs> I need 10 gels, man. 10 gels at every, every station. Beautiful. Power bar, energy drinks, and bars are great. Uh, this is Cat. And to ensure uh, salted potatoes, jet planes, and sour Coke. Bottle lollies on the bike. I do like Coke bottle lollies. Oh, you know, okay. lollies yeah, yeah, are, yeah, 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 they're good. Gels and uh, Evervit. Evervit. On the run. Uh, some good eye candy in front of you. That always helps. Mm, I could have done with some eye candy today. <laughs> <laughs> Going that later. We did, we did a big ride today, yeah. But let's get to that later. Uh, okay, old, good old druggy vegan said he goes to Power Bar caffeinated gels. A lot of people like caffeinated gels. You know, most of the gel companies do those these days and they seem to give people a bit of a lift. Um, Which makes sense. Yeah. And then on the run, he goes for SIS Go gels as they don't need water and can be taken in between feed stations. Nice. And then for training, he has Snickers and fries Turkish Delight. I love Turkish Delight. I love, you love Turkish Delight? I delight? love them. They're not big enough. That's the only problem. Yeah. And then he's got... Uh, www.myprotein.co.uk for blend your own sports drinks. That's cool. And so you can also do that at um, for the American guys, it's probably easier to go to Infinite Nutrition where you can also blend your own uh, nutrition as That's well. That's you anyway. Mm. Uh, has the current mixes. That's your, uh, 85 uh, maltodextrin, 8% 
dextrose, five percent fructose, and two percent electrolytes. Oh, so that is really cool, isn't it? So you obviously it seen through it. Yeah, that's really cool. Mm. So no, I like that. Okay, uh, early, basically plain water. Sports drinks are highly overrated. Nice. That's old school, isn't it? Old school. Old school. school. Love the old school. Solid, no tasting gels like the Swiss. Uh, sponsor neutral and of course a good old banana that's what all you need to go sub nine he is fast early's a fast athlete is so, he yeah. well he's yeah. obviously old school sub, too sub maybe, yeah. we, maybe we should be going back to the old school yeah okay here's a big one for you I don't know if I prepped on this one I think I skipped that yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> so Christian Phil's mate from Farnham UK I think I had Phil uh, up yeah, the top there didn't right. I yeah. he goes for high five uh, the four to one stuff but it's a bastard to get it out of your bottles because it is sticks true. like a whole jag. I, I did find that, but you know, the one thing just with that, if you do find you get a gel that's quite thick, if it's so thick, just take the lid off. Um, I found, because that's what I found high fail, I used in New Zealand, and I, when I tested it, I was like, shit, I'm not going to be able to get this through the bottle. So I just took the lid off because it's so thick, you know it's not going to bounce out. So this, uh, is this a gel or is this... Yeah, it's a gel, but it was quite a thick gel. Okay. You have kind of different types. Some with high fiber, sometimes they're a little bit watery and then sometimes yeah. they're a bit thicker. And the one I had was thicker, but I just basically took the lid off and rubbed without the lid on. And I uh, just uh, I put I put a bit of water in there. That's why. Yeah, well, that's why as well. But even then, you know, like the because it's thick, it's not going to bounce out of the bottle. So. And he also goes for Power Bar Endurance, maybe because that was the default drink in New Zealand. So nice. He came over and did uh, New Zealand. And that'll about do it. For, but I did for like Harry said. Bugger, now I've given Phil my hot nutrition tips. <laughs> Obviously a bit of rivalry happening there. M's power cookies all the time, pre-race, during and post-race. It's my Uli. Simple as that. Uli's, uh, Ollie. Oh, Ollie. 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 I, I yep. thought Ollie's uh, been up there double dipping, but oh, no. No. <laughs> no double dipping. You hate the double dipping. I hate the double dipping. <laughs> we'll explain that later. Joel goes for... Um, what is a SOS Go Gel? So he's obviously asking. Uh, Sounds popular. Might be everything. Yep. Do yourself a little search on the net. You should be able to find that uh, drink. He goes for Carb Pro because it's absolutely loaded with uh, medium chain carbs and has almost no flavour, so no flavour fatigue whatsoever. Nice. And that's a big thing. You know, the further you get into a race, um, the harder it is to go for those sweet products, and that's why. You know, a lot of people do have something a bit savoury because uh, you know you just get sick of sugar, sugar, sugar. So yep. nice work on that one. And he goes for extra electrolytes with hammers uh, and endur- lights. Yep. At least two to three every hour religiously. Two PB sandwiches on the uh, on the bike for some solid food to cut down the slogging. Love the Innovit packs, not the gels, the more liquid ones. Nice, I know the ones. Yep. For the run, it's all about coke and chicken broth. Nice. Caffeine, sugar, and salt and water. Uh, Glenn, the biggest fuel source would have to be my ass and the handles. This is old Glenn from Christchurch. He had the Glenn show. Despite drinking and eating continuously in Ironman New Zealand, I still lost nearly 5kg. Also have a, to rate big, fat, sloppy bacon and egg sandwich at the bike special needs bag. Mm. Uh, I got looks of envy. The envies of looks I got. Nice. Nice. There we go. And we're nearly at the bottom here. Jono. Jono goes for Perpetuum by Hammer Gel. Uh, a lot of people like that. And, uh, that's and a few hammer gels. And uh, Shawnee B, Shawnee the porno, he must be a friend of Kat because he's calling it such a perv. Maybe that's why she ran faster than Bevo. <laughs> <laughs> Not happy about that one. Food, uh, he loves the goo, Red Bull, gives you the wings, potatoes. Um, the hobbits can't be wrong. Natural shakes, Snickers, fruit bread, Hawley's replace is a great value. Hawley's is a great value. And uh, does the business. And then my friend, flat coat to bring it home on the run. Clive, when I when training, I like to mix it up. The only ones I don't use, if possible, 
Five. No, we're not going to read that out. Uh, he says Pro 4 and High 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he obviously doesn't like them, but everybody else should try them both. Yeah, yeah they're the uh, Fluids, he goes for Water or Gatorade, both easily available, cheap and work. Bars, preferably goes for SIS yep. or Talk Bars. Great flavours, but sadly not available available locally. Then Cliff Bars or... Um, on special power bars. And lastly but not least, we have power bar drinks and bowls and jails and bars, peanut butter sandwiches, jelly babies, rice pudding, Yorkshire pudding. Oh, like a bit of Yorkshire pudding. This is Ed Hawkins and also a bit of flat coke, but Yorkshire pudding on the in the race. Yeah, mm, interesting. It's still our tweet. It's a twa. A twa. What a drink you see. I don't know uh, these things. At the end. Do you get do you, do you have a beer when you finish? No, I don't feel like it at all. You get drunk pretty quick, wouldn't you? Yeah. I'll... Maybe not that I'm encouraging drinking here, but maybe we should make that a challenge. Well, that's what you'll get when you go to Rote. Like when um, you finish there, I've seen uh, what's his name, Ferris and things. I've given him like a pitcher full of beer, and he's just gone. It got into it. Oh, so really? Because you... that would be that would be entertaining, wouldn't it? There'll be a lot of beer when you go to, to the Rote. six pack challenge. We could call it. Yeah. You finish the race down a six pack. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's probably good for recovery. Yeah. Anyway, this week um, we've just that's, been... that's why you don't do coach's corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week we are uh, John's actually thought of this one up. The kind oh, of... I, I thought you said you had a, a, a different one for this week. Oh, do you want to do this one? Uh, okay, we can do this one. Okay. I, I hope we haven't done it before. Um, but what what sort of came up last week? Why did it come up last week? Uh, I can't quite remember. Yep. But I was really interested to if people think the Kona qualification system is fair and what changes you'd like to see made, if any. I think it. I think it's a really good question. Yeah, um, because we had obviously had the question uh, California seventy point three. You know there was Kona slots there. Yeah. A lot of the pros we're talking to when we talk to Peter Reed, they say they've got to get less people on the course here. There's yeah. more Ironman races. I know why it came up is because we were talking about that whole the guy who came up with the the qualifi- easiest races to qualify. Oh, so okay, on. okay. So there's more races, so there's more that. slots. I've gone up to eighteen hundred. The course is very crowded, so most people are saying they need to have less people there. Um, but we'd like to know if you think that the current qualification system is fair, and if not, and if not, ha- yeah, what they can do to improve it, um, that'd be really cool. And let's just say it's based on the fact they're going to keep the same numbers. Okay. Because yep. like the message last, you know, Peter Reed was saying, let's have less. But let's just say that it's, it's keeping the same numbers. Was there a way to change it that maybe make it better, or is it really cool here it is now? Website of the week. We even got the head. Both of us did the head, didn't you? Did you I did it too. D- didn't even notice. You did too. Anyway, we got this website sent from Zoe, and Zoe was actually the person who came up with the idea for um, best moments of the year on the blog oh, a few nice weeks ago. Week, so Zoe. yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, I could quit calling Zoe for some reason. Zoe. So um, and she gave us sent through this website, and it's <laughs> it's quite a cool concept. I haven't actually had a chance to play around with it, but you have. It's a called triathloncalculator.com, and the whole idea is that you put in your your size, your swim times, and your how much training you do, and it spits out what it thinks you'd do a triathlon on. Mm. Now, now tell me a bit more about it. Well, I went on there and I put in, it's, it's a little tricky for us, it's all in bloody miles and pounds. Yeah, and I just, that's why I didn't read really it, because I was like... Yeah, so I was sitting there with a calculator, <laughs> figuring things out. So I, I, um, I went on there and, and put in roughly what I, I do. It's more for sort of Olympic distance racing, and, uh, and it spat out a figure. Uh, and, so, but can you get iron distance racing? Sorry? Well, like when you spits out a figure, can you get an Iron Man? Well, I didn't go that far into oh, okay. it. Maybe I should have prepared a bit more. Right, do your piece, mate. But... <laughs> but uh, <sighs> 
but I thought it was relatively accurate, and I think it's because you're you're dealing with short distances. Uh, I thought it was a a roundabout right. One of the things that I did find very interesting is I put in my performances, and I didn't really change them, but then there's also a section where you can put in your training volume inputs, and I started changing them around, and it didn't finish my finish finish time at all. So no matter how much more training I did... uh, So maybe it's just there for... Yeah, it's just just there for look. Um, But I thought it it was reasonably accurate. I think it would be... A, a real PB performance, you know, yeah. it would be your probably your maximum speed you could hope to go. So if you haven't done a triathlon before, it's probably not a good tool to base your goal on. No, no. Mm. But it's just something a bit fun to go and play with, so that's why we brought it up. And yeah, no, it's really cool. I, I, yeah, I need to look into it myself, because I would like to see how it predicts Ironman times, if it yeah. can, because that'd be really cool. No, no, it can. I think mm. it's more Olympic distance. But it's uh, triathloncalculator.com. <laughs> so I think Zoe for that. We'll have that uh, a link up there. Thank that's you very much, Zoe. Australian. Australian? Mm. Oh, the cricket's looking pretty close, isn't it? Mm, playing you guys on Saturday and you are going down. downtown down yeah man watch out we're gonna smack ya <laughs> anyway that's our website of the week age grouper of the week so anyway, I, uh, I didn't actually get a chance to watch the race on the website this weekend. I was kind of busy. I actually went away for the weekend up to Auckland for the weekend. Dorkland. Dorkland? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're dishing it out today, aren't you? Yeah. Woo, back it up. It's because he's a bit tired, aren't you? Why are you a bit tired, mate? He had a big ride. had a big ride. John blew up on the bike, didn't you? It was, I've been doing triathlon for nearly 15 years, and I've had a fair few blow-ups in that time. But this one rated right up there as one of the biggest blow-ups I've had. We did a really tough ride. We rode, um, we rode about 180, wasn't it? 180. Okay, we rode about 180, and it's a, it's Akira and back. And um, for those of you who don't know that, it's it's pretty flat for about the first couple of hours, but then the next couple of hours, oh, you're just lot steep climbing and a lot of hill work. And we turned around to come back from Akira, and then you, you do a kind of four bays where there's hills in between, and then you've got one real big climb to finish it. And uh, I took off, and John said, "Go away, you know, you know, go your own pace." And uh, I'm feeling a bit tired, and so he was kind of behind me for most of the way. And then I turned around, and he just disappeared. I was in my 39.23, yeah, and I couldn't even turn the pedal over. <laughs> and this is only like a seven, maybe seven, maximum eight percent gradient, yeah. and I was gone, burger. Got to the shop, the big bag of chips, <laughs> the coke Everything was out, came out, it wasn't pretty, even the pie. Loving the pie. pie. Oh, so when you get moments like that, guys, get the pie in you. So anyway, back to the show. Age grouper of the week. So we've got Daniel Francis. Uh, Francis, yep. yep. From, I'm not actually sure where he's from. Um, had a pretty good race in Arizona. Um, 12.14, I think, swim 108, bike 602, ran 4.49 for a total time of uh, 12.14. Um, now, that in itself is probably, you know, it's a good achievement. It's probably not the most amazing race. But the amazing thing about him is... It could be. His PB could have been 40 well, hours. Well, it, it could be, you know, okay. But know, that's the, not the reason I've picked him for age grouper of the week. You're taking Daniel down. He no, could I'm be not. sitting there with a big smile on his face, and you're saying, oh, he's just sitting there for No, race. but he should be sitting with a big smile on his face, because he's, <laughs> he's a legend. Yeah. And he's a legend for more reasons than that 12, 14. What a great time that was, too. Yeah. Oh, amazing time. And uh, he's a father of four. And he managed to fundraise $700,000 for the race. That's a bit of money. That's, that's fantastic, isn't it? Daniel, if you're listening, you, you can sponsor the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is very impressive. That is impressive. You know, I, every time we see those, you know, they send you through the email saying, you know, do some fundraising for the race. And, and the intentions there, I, I kind of mm-hmm. think to myself, yeah, we'll get around to doing that. And you, you can be so busy, and, and that's my weak excuse, and I'm probably I'm saying that right now. But... Um, you know, when you ever go to the race and you see the guys, who, you know, they normally get around 15000 which is pretty impressive. Mm. And uh, $700,000, that's just... Out of this world. That is really phenomenal, isn't mm. it? So um, 
and I do like that about our sport. It's it's yeah, really it's cool. Good. They really do get in behind. What's the name of the charity? Janice. Janice. Janice yeah, Janice. and they also do another one as well. But anyway, um, so um, Daniel, I'd like to say I thought it was a fantastic time, and I think <laughs> you did really well, and I think you did well. And uh, but yeah, fantastic efforts. If he's listening, yeah, Daniel, well he will be because everyone uh, listens. Age, Age Grouper of the, of the Week, week. and that's big ups for you, mate, because that's awesome. We're going to move straight on to our interview. So last last Friday, John and I came around to my to Iron Man Talk Studios, mm. and uh, we managed to catch up with Andy Potts. Now, uh, do you want to give a bit of, a, bit of an so intro? A, bit of, uh, a lot of you guys are going, why the hell are you interviewing Andy Potts? He's an Olympic distance guy, mm. uh, and he's a fantastic Olympic distance athlete. He won the New Plymouth, New Zealand round of the World Cup last year with a, just a ride off the front solo performance that yep. was absolutely amazing. Yep. Uh, ended up running basically the same time as the likes of Bevan Doherty and the top runners. Yep. He also is an Olympian. Big boy, 6'3". Yeah, he's a big unit, top swimmer. <gasps> you look at that photo, look at the lats on him, you can tell he's a swimmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the reason we wanted to get him on the show is he did, did the California 70.3 and uh, dominated. Yep. And a lot of people going, oh, is he going to keep doing half Ironmans or, or whatever? About so, to find out. So we you? thought we're going to get to the bottom of that. We asked the hard out. questions. So next up, we've got Andy on the show. It's a good uh, 40 minute, 40, 45 minute interview. Yeah, great and, guy, uh, nice guy. And, uh, really nice guy. Here we go. On the show uh, today, we're very happy to have uh, Olympian Andy Potts. A lot of you guys Superstar. Uh, will know of him. He recently won the 70.3 in California. Down here in New Zealand, he also won the World Cup race last year in New Plymouth, which was a pretty impressive performance. Um, obviously, we're an Ironman sh- a sort of distant show, so, but we still thought it would be interesting to get him on because, uh, obviously, looking at that 70.3 result, it was pretty impressive. Um, so welcome on the show. What's, what's happening, Andy? Uh, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Cool. Um, we, one of the things I think a lot of people are probably fascinated about is, is really your background and how you've turned yourself into a triathlete from a swimmer. Um, so fill us in a bit on your, your swimming background and sort of what you achieved as a swimmer. Sure, sure. Um, I got everything started when I was five years old. Um, I start young, and uh, I, I stayed as a swimmer all throughout um middle school and high school and college, um, I think at about age 12, I started thinking about the Olympics and how I wanted to go to the Olympics as a swimmer. And um, for me, that was was right around 1988. The Seoul Olympic Games had a big uh, impact on my life in terms of uh, determining um, what sport I wanted to do and and how far I wanted to take it. Um, So... I actually, you know, I had some really good success with my swimming, um, and I took it as far as I thought I could take it. I competed in um, the Olympic trials. I was on uh, national team for three years for the for the United States. Um, and you know, in '96, in when trials rolled around, I, I ended up getting fourth place. We take top two, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a shame because the guys that went one two. Were, uh, I actually swam with them every day. They were my teammates from Michigan. Um, so it wasn't, and then they went one, two at the game. So it wasn't any, uh, it wasn't like, oh, I felt slighted or anything like that. It was, you know, you earn your spot in swimming, and um, those two guys definitely deserved it. And uh, then in 2000, when 2000 rolled around, um, I was about the same speed I was in 96. And my best time in 2000 would have gotten me the same place it got me in 96, which was a great spot on my couch. So, um, 
I decided in actually in the spring of 1999 to uh, stop swimming. Um, I, I had taken it as far as I thought I could. Um, I, had a, I had done some really great things with it, but I realized, you know, hey, um, it's time to get a real job and, um, you know, hang up the, the goggles and the suit. So you got a real job called triathlon. So why, why did you move into triathlon, or how did it kind of evolve? Yeah, um, so I, I floated around um, early 20s. I really didn't have a clue. I had a degree from school, but not really um, any direction. Um, so I, I ended up getting a few odd jobs, working for family, you know, painting a house, building a house. Um, then I ended up getting um, a job in swimming. I coached at uh, University of Nevada, Las Vegas for in swimming. I coached for them for a year. And then I got a corporate job in Chicago working behind a desk, and uh, I had a headphone with um, a little extension to my mouth, you know, so I could talk. <laughs> and I was in inside sales for a company that did payroll services for small businesses. And it was a good company, but it really, I found out, I didn't necessarily find out what I wanted to do, but I definitely found out what I didn't want to do. And um, sitting in a cubicle for me, just uh, it was it was just kind of torturous. So one of the things that sort of always intrigues me is uh, how do swimmers sort of make a living? I mean, is there any money in swimming? And is it going to an answer for you in Detroit? Okay, oh, come on. <laughs> Finish the question. It's a lot. So I'll finish. So I segued into trap on because of how uh, what I didn't want, and, and I was starting to get out of shape. I was starting to, um, you know, not really like what I was becoming, um, which was uh, just basically um, a bar-hopping mid-20-year-old who didn't really have a lot of direction, and I kind of found that with Traphon, and I'm not really sure how I got into it. I, it's really kind of confusing, but I was always told when I was little, because I was a good runner, it was, oh, you make a great triathlete, you make a great triathlete, and I never really took anybody up on it until... Uh, I was 25 years old, um, so at 25 I did my first triathlon, and there is some money in triathlon. Um, I think swimmers make, uh, you know, the best swimmers in the world probably make a little bit better living than the best uh, triathletes in the world, um, just because swimming's a bigger sport. But um, you know, swimmers make make money uh, just like just like triathletes do, um, except for the prize money is fewer and farther between for swimmers. I mean, you have like, you know, you have the World Cup scene for swimmers, which they took away for a couple of years, and I think they're bringing it back, um, and basically world championships. Whereas for, for triathletes, you know, you've got, um, you've got various distances, you've got, um, you know, races every weekend, you know, whether you're going short or long, um, you, can, you can find a way to, um, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're willing to travel, and uh, grind it out. It's not an easy living, but it's certainly very rewarding. So, sort of making that transition from from swimming to triathlon. I mean, did you find that a relatively easy transition to make? Given you know you've got a good sort of work ethic with your swimming, and do do you find the the tri training sort of harder or easier or, or much the same? Um, you know, initially my swimming sucked because I hadn't done it in three years. Um, 
And, you know, everything, I was not very good at anything, but like you said, I had the work ethic. Um, and that was the biggest thing that I took from my swimming days was, you know, how to work hard, how to work smart, and how to really get the most out of myself for each and every workout. Um, you know, you get a lot of lessons drilled into you as a kid, and um, for me, it, it took me until about 26 years old to really um, take those lessons and apply them to everyday circumstances. And for me, that was, you know, giving an honest effort and practice. It, it wasn't so much about, like, you know, being the fastest guy in practice every day. It was just trying to get the most out of myself on any given workout. Um, so I really started to employ those those um, those mental strategies that I'd learned with swimming, Keep giving an honest effort, um, you know, giving yourself a chance to succeed in every workout, and then letting it transfer into every race, um, and really just you know trying to uh, it's, it's more of an individual quest than it is um, about anybody other than yourself. Um, so those are probably the biggest lessons that I learned, and I continue to employ them today. I mean, I got off the bike. I, I had a two-hour ride and uh, about a 45-minute run just before we got on the phone. And um, I, you know, it was, I woke up this morning. I wasn't exactly feeling too peachy, um, but... It was it was a matter of okay well what do I need to do to to bounce back to to really get something out of uh, today and it, what today wasn't about like going as fast and as hard as I could but it was about getting the most out of um, you know a lower key session than um, and I and, and I made the most of that so it's not necessarily you know making the mo- you know going hard every day but it's it's making the most of whatever it is that you should be doing that day. Nice. I love the use of the word peachy. Hey, uh, you're, you're quite big for a triathlete, especially in comparison to like the Gimmels and, and Bevan Doherty. Um, yeah. you know, when you went from being a swimmer, and you, and you still run pretty you know, pretty bloody well, you, do you try to tone down from your swimming days, in, as in weight-wise? Um, well, when I first started triathlon, I actually weighed 218 pounds. Uh-huh. Um, and that was be- that was a lot of the beer talking from my days in Chicago working <laughs> in a cubicle. Um, but you know, as I started to work out, um, the weight came off, and I, I regained my old swimming form. But you know, like you said, swimmers are you know we're we're a little bit bigger up top, um, and slowly over the past couple of years, my weight has kind of shifted. Yeah. I've, I'd say I, I, I'm about maybe you know, five to eight pounds lighter than what I was when I was swimming my fastest. Mm, yeah. But the weight is proportionately, I mean, it's definitely shifted south. I mean, it's a lot more in my legs. Um, and even though I'm still bigger than everybody else, but a lot of it is shed off of my upper body. So nice. I think that, you know, just the longer I'm able to stay in the sport, and um, I think, I'm just, you know, I'll develop a little bit more of a triathlete's body, but I don't think I'll ever lose, you know, 18 yeah. years of competitive swimming. So. No, we need to quantify that a bit, I guess, because, I mean, a lot of the Ironman guys are, are fairly solid sort of, sort of guys, but the ITU guys, you know, Bevan and Gemmel and... and they uh, runs, aren't they? They are stick figures. Yeah. They blow away in the wind. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, he's, and he's not like, it's not like he's a big guy. Yeah. It's just he's uh, bigger than the, the run In comparison, guys. yeah. So um, when it, yeah, it's when you when you get out there and you compare them to me to the the 
the smaller guys out there. It's, I'm certainly not doing myself any favors by being heavier <laughs> on the run. But so, so backing it up a few years, you know, you did fantastically well to qualify for Athens after you know re- being relatively new to the sport. Um, I mean, how did you find the whole sort of Olympic experience? Um, you, without the Olympics, I wouldn't have started doing triathlon. Um, I probably would have gotten back into coaching after uh, my corporate days. Um, but when triathlon made its debut in the 2000 games, it was you know a kind of a light bulb went in, off in my head, and it just took me two years to act on it. Um, a little bit slow coming around, but when I come around, I'm I'm usually I usually okay. buy into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without the Olympics, I wouldn't have uh, even wanted to do a triathlon. Um, so the the fact that um, triathlon is in the Olympics was just it was monumental. I mean, it was the reason why I started doing the sport, and um, you know, since then I've I've found that you know there are other great events and um, other great things out there with triathlon but for me i'm still focused on the olympics um you know just because that seed was planted so early on in life for me with swimming um it it just carried over naturally into triathlon and uh you know um to be an olympian is is something that i've always wanted to say that i am um and you know when it finally came true in 2004 it was you know it was it was like I don't. I can't. It's 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 hard to describe. Um, it was very emotional when I qualified, and uh, just because I was so new to the sport, and um, you know, lots lots of change had happened in the past couple of years, and uh, so I was I was just um, ecstatic, and and I and I want to get back, and I want to do something about it too, if I have the opportunity to get back into the games. So how did your day actually go in Athens? Um, it started off. Great. Uh, the swim, I let out of the water by, yeah, I let out of the water by 15 seconds over the entire field. Um, and for me, you know, I was in the sport for less than two years on race day. Uh, 22 months I'd been in the sport before the gun went off on at the uh, Athens Games. And so my mentality at that point was, okay, how do I influence this race to the best of my ability and, and still, you know, finish up well. What, what, what are my biggest strengths? So I spent 2004 just, uh, racing towards my strengths and, and really training towards my strengths too. Um, so I had an influence on, in every race I was doing. Um, and so for me, that was the swim. And then after the swim, it was just like, okay, you know, get through the bike and then hold on for the run. Um, my outlook has kind of changed since then, but I was I was really happy with my Olympic experience. Um, so I came out of water first, big gap on the entire field, and um, a great story I like to tell is you know when coming out of the water, the the grandstands everybody stood up and they just started going bonkers, and I, and you know I'm going oh this is great, who are they cheering for? This is awesome, and I I look behind me to see if you know who they're all cheering for, and no one was behind me, oh, wow. and I was like this is yeah they're going crazy for me, and um, my best friend who was in the stands at the time he took a picture of the transition area, um, and it was there was 50 people in the race. And there, you know, it was 25 bikes on one side, 25 on another. And um, 
he took a picture of transition after I had gone through. So in transition, there are 49 bikes with one missing. Wow. And that was because it was mine, and I was already out on the course. Cool. So, so when you're out there on and, the And then, you know, after... Yeah, after the after the swim, I I kind of you know I had to do that whole biking and running thing. And <laughs> I, I kind of suffered the rest of the day miserably, uh, and I finished up twenty second. But I was still happy with my day. Still got that moment. And I mean, um, looking forward to Beijing and and uh, this year, sort of learning from from uh, Athens. Is there is there much you do differently? Obviously, your, your training's probably evolved, but did, was was there quite a few learning experiences there for you? Yeah, I think that um, I think a lot has changed for me, you know, in um, in a relatively short period of time. Um, I've gone from training towards my strengths and racing towards my strengths to eliminating any weaknesses and any holes I may have in my game. And a big part of that has been non-drafting races because uh, they really exploit any weaknesses you may have. Um, and then also more race experience, just you know, getting to race against the same guys, knowing their tendencies, knowing their strengths and their weaknesses. So you can play a little cat and mouse. You can play racing games, and um, you know that's part of the sport that I, I I really love is the fact that you know I race often, and um, I feel like you know every time I'm out there. I, I, I'm giving myself a chance to, you know, test myself, see what I have that day, and also see what other people have that day, and um, learning new things about myself and other people. I'm, I'm hoping to take all these lessons and all this training and uh, use it to a, towards a positive uh, race day experience. Have you, um, I mean, you know, a few years ago on the Women's World Cups uh, circuit, it was really a case of a lot of the American girls were getting together after the swim and basically just decimating the field by swimming and biking away from them. Is there anybody yeah. sort of out there that, that you can sort of see that's going to be able to keep up with you in the swim and then be able to work with you on the bike? Because I would assume that's going to be your tactic is to get away in the swim, stay away on the bike, and then really hang on in the run. Yeah, you know, that's that's pretty much my tactic every time I race. Um, there's not a real big mystery to it. Uh, you know, some days it works better than others, obviously. Um, I think that the the class of the field has risen its game in terms of World Cup racing. Um, a lot of the guys, you know, they're starting to improve their swim because they know when I get into a race, I'm... It's not like when I get on the bike, I'm, I'm going to sit up and wait. Um, you know, I take I take the opportunity of if there is a breakaway or if there is a gap to try to um, make it as big as possible. Um, and my my first you know really big breakthrough race was uh, with Craig Walton, and you know he and I came out of the swim together in Edmonton with Courtney Atkinson and. Craig was on on his game that day, and I was on, and we ended up dropping Courtney and um, on the bike and, and rode together. Well, it was really Craig riding, and, and I was hanging on. But um, now, now I feel like you know, if we get into that opportunity, if I'm given that opportunity again, I can be a real big strength on the bike, like in New Plymouth, mm. you know, where I felt like I was I was the driving force all day long, mm. and just keep going, just keep keep pushing, keep pushing, and. Uh, see what I'm capable of doing. I, I, if Craig Walton wants to, um, you know, do the World Cup scene and get um, get his foot back in on the Olympic circuit, 
it, it, you know, I would see it would enhance my uh, opportunities and, and uh, chances for success uh, mm-hmm. immeasurably because he's so strong on the swim and the bike. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to make it so no matter how the race plays out, I have I'm giving myself a chance to to get on the podium yeah. um, with my running and my and my biking, but. Ultimately, I would love to just do it from the start. That you would know? be awesome, wouldn't it? Hey, so your focus is mainly short course, obviously, but you recently won the 70.3 in California. Did you kind of change your training in any way? Like, did you train specifically for that race? No, I, I, I didn't change a thing. Um, it was my second one. I did uh, Ironman California last year, um, and Luke Bell really flexed his, his, uh, his muscles on me that day. <laughs> I didn't really know what to expect. It was, you know, my first... Time last year doing the seventy point three, we were on our bikes for what felt like forever, and um, I got beat by over three minutes. And I'm thinking, boy, that I didn't make it that great of a race. It was three, you know, three minutes, and everybody's like, "Ooh, that was a good race." And I was like, "Guys, I'm in races where three seconds there are four people, <laughs> you know, you know, in that three span of three seconds." So I felt like I was it was a little bit of a disappointment last year, and. Um, you know, coming back into it this year, I, I wanted to see what I was capable of doing. Uh, four hours was a goal of mine just because it's a challenging course. Uh, the hilly bike it, it makes it a little bit slower and I wanted to break four hours and, um, and also like, um, eliminating any, any holes I have. Um, so I feel like my endurance has improved and, um, as evidenced by the fact that, you know, I could go for four hours and then um, I'm trying to make it so my power is still there. So you want to try to get the right combination going. So, you know, obviously your big focus for the moment is uh, on Beijing, firstly qualifying and then uh, and then obviously, you know, going as well as you can on the day. Um, is long course something that motivates you sort of after Beijing? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say no, but I really enjoy racing. And if there's a if there's a way for me to um, race a lot, then then that's something that I would still like to do. Um, I feel like seventy point three series is is a good compromise, um, but I'm not ready to give up on this draft legal stuff just yet. Um, you know, but again, I, I, it's not like I would ever turn down an opportunity to race in in Kona either. Um, you know, coming off of of the Olympics, if I if I have a chance to to you know make the shift into Ironman racing it would it would take some time it's not like you can go do one and then the other um immediately as you guys know yeah so. yeah yeah um so i mean a lot of in our sort of side of the game sort of long course stuff everybody really sees kona as being the big pinnacle and that's, really, that's what really drives people yep. do, do you does that sort of work for you or it's something that you'd like to do but it's not a not a major big driver um, it's not the driving force for me. Um, the Olympics is at this point in my career. Yeah. I think that um, it's hard to ignore what Kona offers, and I think that also just being the kind of the grandfather of the sport and where everything started. Um, you know, that's that's where the tests were were put into play on the field of play and. Um, you know, t- to really go out and and try and, and test myself like like the uh, the the 
guys who started the sport um, would be would be something that I, I am interested in doing, um, but it might have to be later on down the road. Nice. Hey, on the training side of things, let's look a bit at your training. How do you structure your year? Kind of, what do you do over your winter period, and you know, how do you actually structure your year? Um, for me, I pretty much want to wrap things up in November. Um, and for me, uh, winter being in the northern hemisphere, I'm uh, you know December through March pretty much um, doing a lot of solitary training. Uh, I swim with a team in town that my coach is really his day job. He runs the swim team in town, so I get to swim with the kids, and and that's always you know that's my most social thing that I do all day. <laughs> Um, which is great, and it keeps me in touch with, you know, the young crowd. I feel like uh, the old man in the water, but until <laughs> one of them steps up and wants to, you know, challenge me on my set, then I'll still, I'll still call the shots. Nice. But, um, <laughs> you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta flex your muscles here and there, and uh, you can't you get, it. you can't let a fourteen-year-old little girl push you around too long. So, <laughs> so now that. Um, I do a lot of a lot of just um, it, what we do is we look back on the year. My coach and I sit down and say, you know, this is what we uh, learned. This is what worked for us. This is what didn't work. Um, this is where I see the most where the most improvement can come from. And here's how I want to attack it. And you know, and it's really um, a lot of my coach reading me and me reading. Um, the situation in terms of like here's what I want to do and, and we have a lot of dialogue and it's very open um, I think the one of the biggest advantages that uh, my relationship with Mike my coach is the fact that when I show up to swim every day you know it's after riding and running and he can look at me in the eyes and and you know tell if I'm lying to him when I say that I'm okay yeah. you know hey are you doing okay yeah yeah coach I'm fine you know and Whereas, you know, he'll watch my body language, he'll look at my facial expressions and really say, okay, yeah, he is fine, uh, we can push him a little bit more, or I'm going to pull back a little bit, he's looking, he's looking pretty beat up type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do a lot of that, um, and, and then we also try, try different things. Um, it, we do a little of experimentation, um, sometimes not at the most optimal times, like right before World Championships, but... Um, hey, you gotta try it to learn what works and what doesn't work for you. So, so what's a, what's a pretty standard week for you in terms of training? Uh, without giving away too many secrets, because <laughs> it's uh, you know high t- we do high Sorry, tech stuff us. here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, usually, you know, um, when I first started working with Mike, we we were riding every day. It was like, hey, Andy, we really need to improve your cycling. Um, I see that biggest room for improvement in your cycling so you can go off. Um, you can use your swim um, to your advantage and, and not just let your lead get squandered by having a weak bike. And also we feel like um, a stronger bike makes it so your run shows up more and more often on race day. So your running ability can show through if you're not fried from the bike. Um, because you can be a fantastic runner, but if you can't ride, then um, you know the riding will take all your running legs out of you, type of thing. Is, mm-hmm. is kind of how we approach it. So, um, 
I started writing every day in 2005, and then 2006 we said, okay, let's uh, let's take a day off once a, once a week. And for me, my body really accepted that, um, and we've um, adopted a six days training Sunday you have off. So um, I swim five times a week, and I do that all with my team in the afternoons for about five k a workout, give or take. Um, I ride six days a week. The only day I don't swim is Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, I ride six days a week, um, about two hours every day. Uh-huh. Um, and then I run six days a week as well, about eh, 45 minutes a day. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not so much, uh, how, what volumes you're doing, but kind of what you're doing within the volume. So. Yeah. You can keep that your little secret. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I know a couple of the Kiwi guys pretty well. Um, They're doing sort of World Cup stuff. And I've been told you sort of uh, you live by your heart rate monitor quite a bit. Is is that correct? (laughs) Yeah, Bevan and Chris give me a hard time about it. And, uh, you know, we've become pretty good friends over, uh, you know, just because we see each other so often and, um their attitude and, and lifestyle, just being laid back and letting their racing do the talking over, um, over anything else is, is kind of what, uh, you know, makes me friends with them. But they give me a hard time on the Beijing course last year. <laughs> I was I not that. having a good day. Um, <laughs> I was having a really rough day. I had, a, I had an okay swim. I came out of water first. Um, we were, I started a breakaway on the bike. I think there was about maybe 12 or 13 of us on the bike. So just small enough so we could work, but kind of too big. So we weren't really, um, you know, working the whole way through and, um, you know, the whole way through the 40 K and, uh, Bevan and, and Chris were in the pack, the chase pack, which got too big for them. And, um, I, I thought, I thought, you know, wait till the run, things will shape up and uh, see what I'm capable of doing. I was hoping to get on the podium, and then the run came, and my legs were just like, no, nope, we're kind of done. Uh, you can go you can go if you want, but we're just going to go at this speed. And I got caught with maybe three kilometers left by Bevan and Chris, who were running together at the time, and they, they realized that their shot for the podium was out of the question for the day, and uh, so... <laughs> Bevan goes, hey, Patsy, what's your heart rate? <laughs> and and I'm thinking, you jerks, like, <laughs> I'm here giving it all I got, and I'm fried from the day's work. You guys have been sitting in the big pack all day, and you run me down, and then you kid about it with me as you run past me. <laughs> so uh, they're just having some good fun with me. and um, But it's, uh, yeah, I, I do... We'll, um, race with a heart rate monitor, and uh, my coach likes to see some just some raw numbers behind just the subjective uh, words that I talk about. So we have a little bit clearer key of you know where we need to work and and what we need to improve. So are you are you pretty religious with the way you use your heart rate monitor in training, or is it is it more of a sort of a feedback tool, or are you constantly going out there saying I must ride for you know two hours at one thirty to one thirty five and things like that. Um, you know, what we do, a lot of it is, um, so we have built more or less two variables that we're working within. And one of them is, you know, output, whether it be, you know, um, speed when you're running, like how minute per mile pace, 
or um, how many watts I'm putting out. And so we'll either work off of watts or speed, and then it's tell me your heart rate, or we'll say, uh, and that's what most days are. I would say uh, five out of you know four or five out of six out of the six days a week are like that, and then the one or two days a week are more like, okay, I want your heart rate in this range. Tell me how fast you're going, or tell me what watts that means for you that mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll play with the variables um, and try to see what gives us the best combination. And usually, coach is right on in terms of. Um, you know what heart rates are eliciting what watts at, at uh, any certain um, on a given day. So, and he knows um, kind of where my my breaking points are. Um, and my heart rate's kind of low, so for me to uh, get my heart rate above 160 on the run, I need to be going faster than five minute per mile pace. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it makes. It makes for a tough day when, you know, he says, hey, I want you to get your heart rate above 160. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> that, that stinks for me, but you'll get a few laughs at about my groaning. So, um, hey, so is there anything you've specifically done to become a faster runner? Um, nothing specific. I think, the um, like, I've always been a strong runner. Um, it, the matter of it showing up was something I couldn't really control. So on good days, I would run well. Um, We didn't really, um, it was because it was usually an easier ride. And so I think think just my strength on the bike has really helped my running. Um, And then also just uh, doing a lot of running off the bike helps a lot too. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because there are very few events where I'm running from start to finish uh, without without riding before it. Um, mm. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to, to do a lot of runs, you know, a majority of your runs fresh if uh, you never are running fresh. Mm-hmm. So, so down here in New Zealand, you know, it's um, pretty difficult for a lot of our athletes to get sponsorship. You know, the likes of Bevan and Brownie and um, the real big guns and Hamish, they're, they're earning reasonable money off the sponsorship, but next tier down are pretty much getting nothing. Is it similar sort of scenario in the States? I mean, is it relatively easy to get cash sponsors, or how do you sort of um, go about things? Um, I think cash sponsors are harder to get. Um, You really have to be, you know, uh, a top-notch in your sport. You know, and we're talking anything um, other than the mainstream sports, so uh, triathlon, swimming, running, even cycling, um, I think that you know, getting getting a cash sponsor, you really have to show your worth. And um, you know, I think that it's right now in the states in triathlon, just kind of the rich are getting a little richer, and um, the guys who are struggling to make ends meet. Well, there's a reason why they're struggling to make ends meet, and. Um, Whereas, you know, if you have a cash sponsor, you can just solely focus on, um, on your training and on your racing. Mm. And then you got other guys trying to juggle being a, a professional in the business world and a professional on, on, in the triathlon scene. Mm. Um, I, I would say there's, you know, there's, there are maybe five or six guys in the country that are, you know, 
are able to pull the cash sponsors, which is not a lot, you know? Mm. No, not in a place like America. No. Um, so since, since we're there, mate, who are your sponsors and your supporters? Give them some love. Oh, yeah. Um, my biggest sponsor is Speedo. Oh, really? Um, go ahead. No, 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 it's good. Yeah, yeah. makes sense because you're an awesome swimmer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, um, they uh, they got on board with me before I actually ever did a professional race. Wow. Um, just because of my swimming background and the fact that um, they had some other swimmers come in and make triathlon work for them. So they, they were hoping, they were betting that, it would work for me as well, and uh, it has. So hopefully, th- I hope that they're happy with my performances. Um, Asics is uh, my shoe sponsor, nice. and they keep me uh, from getting injured from all the pounding I take on the roads and on the trails. Yep. Um, I'm riding a felt these days, felt bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so yeah, the nice thing about felt is they you know they've got the time trial bikes and the uh, and the road bikes and and both of them complement me really well because they they can handle the 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 frames are durable and um, they're handling the power output pretty well. Yeah. Um, I wear a blue seventy wetsuit. No, nice. we like blue seventy. Uh, yeah. We're both wearing blue seventy. Yeah. Yep. We like that. Go to the blue seventy. Yep. Although you go faster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah it's it's the uh, it's the suit that's what I tell people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the suit that, that keeps me fast, not not the arms and the legs. Yeah, no, of course not. Um, and power bar. Yeah. Keep me keep me uh, from yeah. getting hungry out on the trails or whatever. Um, I'm riding zip wheels. Uh, cool. Um, profile design hooks me up with. Um, Aero bar setups and, and and the like. Yeah. Uh, Rudy Project makes my sunglasses and helmets. Nice. And then I've got uh, some other guys on board like Kinesis. They do um, sport sunscreen. Cool. And then RacerMate. They make copy trainers. Oh yeah. Oh, nice. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do. I do a fair amount of my training on a copy trainer just because it's such a controlled environment. Yeah. Um, and being a, a swimming nerd by background um the controlled environment is always you know you're getting instant feedback type of thing yeah um and then i've got my local bike shop called pro cycling they they uh they take care of me really well and uh, build up my bikes and um do any adjustments i need to make and help me get fitted properly and really work with me on on all the little things you know to kind of fill in where i may have any holes in my uh sponsorship and stuff like that um yeah and then uh try all three sports makes my bike cases and boulder running company is a running shoe store that i uh work with in town as well nice so you got a nice little family of sponsors there and and what's your website if people want to come and sort of find out a bit more about what you're up to um yeah it's uh andy potts try com. um it uh I, it, it wasn't the first choice on the list of websites out there to take down, but um, somebody else in Germany had andypots.com, okay. and um, you, know, you, have to, you, have, you have to pay big bucks for yeah. some of these things, especially the .coms. Yeah. I tried to buy my domain name the other day, and somebody else had it as well. So. I've got mine. I bought mine. Yeah. Oh, no. You've got to buy your own domain. Right, yeah. Yep. I was wise. Yeah, it's, got it early. it's not always easy. Yeah. So, um, obviously, the, so, big, the big plan for this year is um, 
to qualify for Beijing. What have you sort of got to do to get there, and how does the U.S. qualifying work? Um, our our qualifying is um, we've taken a page out of the the way that the marathon is kind of conducted. We're taking our first American at the Beijing World Cup in 2007. Uh, um, the kind of rationale was if you can excel on the same course that the Olympics is going to be placed on around the same time, so the climate's going to be the same against a world-class field, then you deserve to be on our Olympic team. Um, so we're taking the first American at the Beijing World Cup, and that'll give that's a huge step up for the you know the the person that makes that um, that cut because mm. you've got a year to prepare for one race. You can also take that card of, hey, I'm on the Olympic team, to sponsors. Um, you can really get some local support in terms of uh, media and, and really hyping it up. And I think it's a big advantage to have a year to plan. Um, the second American we're taking in April of 2008. So, you know, that's a, eight months later mm-hmm. we're taking our second person. So there's a big difference. Um, it's just going to be a, uh, a Continental Cup in Honolulu where they'll use the, the hill on the bike to, to kind of simulate the race course. And then um, the third race is kind of up in the air right now. I think it could either be the Vancouver World Championships in 2008 in June or the Des Moines World Cup in June. Whichever one comes first, it will be our third American, and it'll kind of be done by a golf score of, uh, throw out your worst performance and take your two best performances and add them yeah. up, and whoever has the lowest score is our third guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you is you pretty much definite to get three spots. Um, we still have to uh, you still have to earn your three spots, and um, I want to help the country earn the our three spots by keeping my ranking high. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's kind of how you do it is you make sure that you've got um, three or four. Americans in the top what thirty five in the world. Yeah. So if I can uh, if I can equal last year's performance, I'll be I'll be taking care of uh, my end of the bargain. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, um, you know a lot of our listeners are, are Ironman listeners. They're sort of hoping that maybe after Beijing, we'll see you on the uh, one day the long course. One circuit. day we'll see you there because uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you know I I'm not, I'm not going to say no, but I have gotten emails from friends who are doing the longer stuff. And they are urging me to stay with the short stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I got sponsors and friends are saying, hey, do you want to go longer? Do you want to do some 70.3, more of that? Do you want to do some Ironman stuff? And then I've got, you know, old friends who have who've moved up saying, no, no, you're doing great on the World Cup scene. Yeah, Keep doing that. Absolutely. Keep yeah. doing that. Yeah. So. Oh, we'll, we'll watch this space with great interest. So thanks very much for spending so much time with us today. Yeah, thanks for putting it out. I really appreciate it. And, um, Absolutely. Thanks, we'll look, John. Thanks, Bevan. We'll look forward to uh, watching the, the World Cups this year. If anybody is more interested in watching the World Cups, you go to triathlon.org, and they have really fantastic live coverage on there, um, really good live video, and you'll, uh, you'll surely see plenty of coverage of Andy because he's always out front. Yeah. <laughs> And um, we hope you do well, but we obviously, Bevan and I, hope the Kiwis do a little bit better. (laughs) (laughs) We we hope you you do really well as well. Sounds great. Hey, cool. Well, thanks for your time, and uh, thanks for being on the show. Cool. All right, thanks, fellas, and uh, maybe we'll see you out in uh, New Plymouth in March of 08. 
So we've got a couple of uh, Skype questions coming up, and first of all, we're going to start with Joe. So here we go, Joe. Hey, guys. This is Joe from Atlanta. I love your show. I listen to it every week. I had a question for you. Uh, I travel for a living, and I have a hard time getting swim workouts in in the hotels because, as you probably know, a lot of hotel rooms don't have very – a lot of hotels don't have very good pools. Um the three things that I've come up with to do are either use a swim tether, use swim cords, or just uh, run and do a weights workout. I was just wondering if you guys had any suggestions on what are the best ways to get a swim workout in on the road. Thanks. Okay, so uh, thanks for those questions. And uh, first of all, that question from Joe. Joe. And uh, So, Joe, I think you're basically doing the right things, you know, in terms of getting a swim workout. We had a website of the week ages ago. Uh, Which is probably on one of our links. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Swimmer's Guide or something like that, yeah. where, where you can locate pools around the world. It was a world. great website. You basically go to the area you're going to, and it just tells you all the periods, and the pools within that kind of area. And it really didn't lack in kind of detail, did it? It was, mm. it was really great. So I'd say, you know, use that to try and find a pool locally would be yep. your best option. I, th- I think swimming in a 15-metre pool is a complete waste of time, uh, yep. basically, unless you're just going to get in there and maybe do some drills. So that's what I'd suggest you do. If you've got a 15-metre pool, it's probably a good chance to get in there and just do some basic, really yep. basic drills. But in terms of swimming an actual endurance set or anything, I'd just say it's a complete waste of time. I think one thing that maybe this is just something I thought of then is that uh, – don't worry about turning properly. Stop at each end. Because the thing is, if you turn and push off, you lose like five yeah. metres. <laughs> so yeah. you only swim for five. Yeah. So maybe stop at each end and actually, you know, have a kind of make the pool longer by doing that. So there'll be three tips here. Uh, first one is try to find a pool locally if you can using uh, the, the swimming website that we yeah. had. Uh, secondly would be to use your hotel pool uh, yeah. and just do some drills only. If you don't know many drills, a good CD to get is Hayden Woolley's Future Dreams CD. Yeah. Uh, and thirdly, I think you're already doing it, but swim cords is going to be the next best thing you can do. So those are probably your, your three options in terms of uh, helping yourself out with your swimming. And if, if you can't get into any pool or anything like that, then again, yeah, you're better off focusing on going out for some good runs. Okay, so next up we have a question from David. Evan and John, this is David Reed from New Jersey in the United States. And I was calling to ask a question about an issue that you sort of addressed earlier about the about competent times and I am. I was watching or following the Boston Marathon on today, and it made me start thinking about qualifying times and competent times and so forth. And you guys talked about 10, 11, and 12 hours. And I was looked at Arizona, Arizona's results yesterday. That would suggest times like 2.5% of the people were competent or 11 hours would suggest like 10.1% were competent. So I started thinking about qualifying times again, and I looked at USTA's page, and they use qualifying times for IMs for like their 18 to 24-year-old, like 1140 or 60 to 64, a female of 1430. I was wondering if you guys thought we might need qualifying times for some of the different IMs in the U.S. to help with the problem of signing up for them and what you guys would think about this issue. For the record, I am not a competent IM guy. I finished way too My only Ironman was too high at the time, and Hope to, fit, to fix that up this year at CDA, um, but just curious to know what you guys would think about qualifying times and what would be qual- what would be competent if you age graded it. Thank you, David. That's a great question. So, what do you think, John, about competency for? You sprung that one on me. I was <laughs> I was going to give that some thought, but I, one of the things I think you got to I think it's a dangerous thing to set qualifying times and things like that for Ironman. Uh, we know in Australia they used to have a number of qualifying races for. To, 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 to actually do the race, yeah. So you had to be what you're calling maybe a competent athlete. Yep. Uh, and they've actually ditched that. 
And so why don't you like it? Uh, what I'll, I'll take Oscar. it on to my next point is what I'd quite like to see is maybe have more than just Kona as a championship race. Maybe have like the the Grand Slam, like they're doing golf and things like that. So maybe there are say four races around the world that you do need to qualify for, and they could be so your Grand Slam events and so not just Kona. Uh, and you'd obviously but, but, yeah, honestly would that work? Because like for me, sure they may have the big four, yeah. but you know what? I still want to do Kona first. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Well, it's probably like a lot of the, say, the tennis, you know, the one everybody wants to win is Wimbledon. Yeah. So you're always going to have that pinnacle race. Yeah. But I think, you know... If you it have would, other races. Yeah. Nice. I think it would be good for the pros, and yep. I think it would be very good for the elite age groupers to know they can go somewhere and go up against the best. So maybe if they had one in the States, one in Europe, and, I don't know, maybe one in Australia or something yep. like that, I think that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, but I, in my opinion, I think they should steer away from uh, qualifying. setting qualifying times. But, but even just qualifying to do an Ironman, you don't like that idea? Not really, but I, I haven't given a lot of thought. Okay, well maybe, we, maybe we can do a discussion next week where, oh, we've got so many discussions now. We have. Where what's a way that they can actually organise a fairer way to get in a race other than first in, first serve? Yes. Mm, okay, well, there we go. There so we thanks go. for that. That's created some uh, a little bit less work for us for yeah. next week. Nice. So we uh, thank you for that. Okay, then, so uh, Coffees of Hawaii. We love the place. We're not doing questions and answers because it's already pretty, pretty long. So, <laughs> Coffee, coffeesofhawaii.com. Yep. If you want to get on there and order, you get we on We love there. the place. We do love the place. Mate, you just love thing, mate. You're on it, aren't you? I know. Oh, I love that you love it. We're, uh, if you were in North America, you obviously go, just go on there and just order through their online shopping. If you're anywhere else in the world, just go on there and you pop them an email and they will look after so one thing I'm looking at right here as you're doing it is that they've got the gift pack. The gift pack's awesome. But while you're doing the gift pack, you, so you give your, your coffee-loving partner. You're a sensitive new age guy, aren't I, you? I really am, aren't I? And uh, while you're doing it, you can get an apron with the logo on it. Yeah, I And think, people love doing that stuff, don't they? I think giving um, your wife or your girlfriend or your partner an apron is a really good idea. Then. No. Basically telling them, you go do the cooking, I'm going to sit back no, and back it chill, up, chill back out. it up, because people like getting involved. And so when you're grinding the beans, you've got that smell going, you feel like yeah. you're, you feel like historically you're a coffee bean thingy. Grinder. Grinder. Yeah. And so I think the apron is pretty bloody cheap, 20 bucks. Yep. One size fits all. <laughs> so, so there is actually quite a bit of merchandise up there. So when you are ordering coffee, obviously you know they've got tank tops, t-shirts, polo shirts. Uh, oh, can maybe you send me an apron? I'll take a photo with it because I think it's sensational. Coffee cups, aprons. You've got posters. Uh, the posters are pretty cool. You could get Belinda there for a birthday. Yeah, I did actually give her an apron once. Did you? <laughs> oh, so what, what was the message you were trying to tell her? I don't know. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> So, yeah, we uh, definitely appreciate the support of Coffees of Hawaii, coffeesofhawaii.com. And, uh, and uh, the big Kona blend just while we're here, delicious roasted island-style blend, French roast, which means the roast in a little bit longer. Yeah, but Italian's longer still. Tonga, yep, that is too, which brings out more caffeine. Mm. Which... So it's only 6 bucks for a 7-ounce and all the way up to 50 bucks for a 5 Pound bag. Dub 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 coffees of Hawaii.com. Hey, uh, <laughs> this is, we've been doing lots and lots of long shows lately. It's kind of cool because when we go away for a couple of weeks, they're going to be pretty short, so we're kind of making up for that. Uh, so let's Ooh, quickly go through <laughs> this. Is very this is going to be a record. This is going to be one hour 20. <laughs> it's over one hour 20. Um, okay, so uh, just quickly then, Amazon, if you want to support us by buying books on there, someone, we can get lots of feedback about that. We'll do more email questions maybe next week. Um, so keep sending them through. Click on one ad on our website, which would be great. If you want to do a Skype question, as you can see, they're coming through. And to be honest, if you really want to get on the show at this stage, we're kind of putting favoritism to the Skype questions. Um, 
um, supporting the show. More people have been supporting the show by donating to the show. Again, it's not something we we, we feel you have to do, but if you want to support us, that's really great. We're trying to buy some more equipment and like uh, that and advertising and get the show out there, so that's really great. And anything else that we normally say, John's coaching website? Triathloncoach.net. Uh, email questions to ironmantalk at gmail.com. What are you going for the rest of the day, mate? I'm going to go home and have a no, sleep. Got another antenatal class tonight. <laughs> that's what happens when you're having a kid, mate. Eh? <laughs> I know. Hey, saw childbirth Life's last changing, week. mate. Like, do you source childbirth? It's a Twenty to twenty-five minute video, full-on close-ups of childbirth. You know what? Quite so when I had my daughter, she was in the pool, and then my partner kicked me out of the room, so I didn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So, well, I'm going to go and sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could probably do one of them as well. That's okay. So anyway, guys, that's time man talk for this week. We'll uh, finish off with our saying. We haven't done a saying for a few weeks. No, we just like. did it last week because we pre-recorded it. Okay. Okay, go. Iron Russ. Iron Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia Kia kaha. kaha.